You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for Fansided and Pro Football Weekly. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can find all of our content at LockedOnPackers.com. And you can hit us up anytime at the Locked On Packers fan hotline, 920-341-3775. We are through three preseason weeks for the Green Bay Packers. And the Packers-Raiders game, assuming you stayed up for it, was not a pretty one. It was an ugly affair, and before the game even started, the Packers got some bad news when they found out that Oren Burks, the rookie linebacker who was going to be taking over for Jake Ryan, had an issue with his shoulder, and it wasn't reported initially what the problem was. It was just considered an injury. We found out after the fact that it was, in fact, a dislocated shoulder. Now, we've since learned and there may be more updated information that comes out today or in the coming days, but it sounds like this is not a serious injury. It sounds like they did an MRI, and in a situation like this, with a dislocation, the question is ligament damage. Because you can you can relocate it, okay? You can reset the, the socket in the shoulder. The question is when it becomes dislocated, is there damage to the ligaments around the bone when it comes out of the socket? And if there isn't significant damage, if there's not a torn labrum, for example, this is something that is imminently workable for a linebacker to play with because the the, the dislocation, and even if it, there have been cases where players have played with torn labrums, by the way, but if there isn't ligament damage, If there aren't these problems structurally, then it shouldn't be that long of a recovery process for him. Now, it it would be unfair to speculate about that at this point in terms of how long the process is going to be with his recovery. Mike McCarthy in his press conference did not indicate what that recovery would be, but he did say it sounds like um, that Burks avoided serious injury. And in this case... Um, I, I think torn labrums and significant ligament damage in the shoulder, that would be a significant injury. And therefore, I think it's fair to assume at this point that he doesn't have those kinds of problems. Now, how soon he'll be back on the field? We don't know. And what are Green Bay's options in terms of replacing him? Well, the other big news of the last 24 hours is that the Packers traded a backup cornerback, Lindsey Pipkins, to the Indianapolis Colts for a starting caliber linebacker, Antonio Morrison. In fact, Antonio Morrison led the Colts in tackles last season, but it's not like he is some washed-up older veteran player. He was a fourth-round pick in 2016. 
In fact, I had a second round grade on Antonio Morrison coming out of Florida. He was a four-year starter, a team captain, a leader in that locker room. And I think one of the, the problems that he had, he, coming out of Florida, he was dealing with um, a pretty serious illness, actually. And, and his if you go look up his pro day numbers, they were really bad. Uh, and his doctors, in fact, begged him not to even do it. And he wanted to perform. He wanted to show the scouts he was tough. Uh, but the numbers were bad. And I think when you look at early in his career, he isn't an ultra elite athlete. Um, even even taking into account you know, what he was dealing with when he had those pro day numbers, uh, they would have been better, certainly, had he been 100% healthy. But they would not have been mm, impressive numbers. He's a little bit stiff. He lacks great speed getting sideline to sideline. I think you can think of Morrison as a Jake Ryan proxy. Morrison was a very good run defender last year. In fact, ninth in the league in run stops. That pro football focus stat that we talk about, Blake Martinez, by way of example, was third in the league in run stops. So Morrison, playing behind a much worse defensive line than Blake Martinez, was a very good run-stopping linebacker for the Packers last season. This gives them an option, especially against teams that like to run the ball, someone that can play on early downs, and maybe you can protect Oren Burks a little bit. Maybe you can keep him fresh. And and we don't know that, that Burks is going to be an injury risk. He was a... a Tough player at Vanderbilt, not someone who was in and out of the lineup every week because he had this injury or that injury. That's not something that, we, at least we think anyway, we have to deal with when it comes to Oren Burks. That said, linebacker is a physical position, and it pays to have depth. And Green Bay has, has seen this over the course of its career. I mean, you can think of years where they had to, where they were starting you know, third and fourth string linebackers. Recently, this was this was something that happened. And Clay Matthews had to play. And, and I got questions about that after the Oren Burks injury and before the, the Morrison trade. A lot of you were asking or speculating, well, maybe Clay Matthews could slide back inside. And here's why that's not crazy. I've mentioned this before in, in various forms, but the nickel package that Mike Patton has been running, and it's going to be something that that the Packers play a lot, is two inside linebackers, three down linemen, and a rush outside linebacker. And for most of training camp, it's been Muhammad Wilkerson, Kenny Clark, Mike Daniels, and Nick Perry, theoretically, because it's been uh, not Clay Matthews, let's say that, because Nick Perry was, was not healthy. So it's been Kyler Fackrell, it's been Reggie Gilbert. And then you have Blake Martinez and Oren Burks. Well, what you could do, and considering how often Mike Patton loves to blitz his linebackers up the middle, is you could slide Clay Matthews back off the ball, keep him on the field, and continue to use his instincts and playmaking. But what I think is also worth pointing out here, Mike Patton, at, in, at his peak with the Jets. But if you go up back and look over the course of his defensive coordinating careers and his head coaching career in Cleveland, he didn't have crazy athletic linebackers who could run and chase and cover. 
He just didn't have that. In New York, Bart Scott and David Harris were downhill run stuffing and blitzing, in the case of Bart Scott, linebackers. So if they had to play, let's say week one and week two, with Martinez and Morrison, this is a kind of paradigm that has worked for Pettin in the past. And I know the league has changed a little bit and he hasn't been you know, a coordinator in a number of years. But if you go back and look, the Packers had Aaron Rodgers in 2010. He was Aaron Rodgers. And that Jets defense played really well against him. And that Jets defense was still really good in 2011 when Rodgers set passing efficiency records on his way to an MVP season. The Jets, with Mike Pettin as coordinator, shut down Tom Brady in a playoff game in Foxborough. So you can say, yes, the league has changed and it's more important to have linebackers who can cover. Sure it is. But Green Bay already has the built-in infrastructure here with multiple safeties that they're going to play. They're going to play Josh Jones in the sub package, these three safety looks. And if Oren Burks is not able to play early in the season, week one, week two, and again, we don't know what this timetable is from, from the indications from the team. This trade was not about the linebacker situation with Burks being out. It was just simply the ability to add a player that they viewed as a quality player for a cornerback who was probably no better than cornerback six on this roster. And you now you bring in a linebacker who could, if you wanted him to, start and has starting experience. I think that's a no-brainer. The Colts obviously felt like they needed a cornerback. And we're going to talk about cornerbacks a little bit later in the show. And you're able to bring in a starting caliber player. I think that is an opportunity for the Packers that they couldn't pass up. And you add in depth. I think this is this is a big time win for the Packers. Although I like Lindsey Pipkins, it's sad to see him go because I thought he had a lot of potential. I think he can be a starter in the right situation. But obviously, the Packers feel like they're in a good spot with their cornerbacks, and they should. We're going to talk about those corners, the rookies in particular, in just a second. But one of the things that has happened since I started this podcast is people, and this this happened even before I had a podcast, people would ask me who I thought would win. They asked for betting advice. Betting is, is legalized in a lot of places now. It's going to be legalized in a lot of places very soon. But if you want to make a bet, where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on, which is why you should turn to the people at mybookie.ag. They've been in the business for years. They've got great online reviews, and their mobile site is so easy to use. Lay down some cash and win big today. They have in-game betting, live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business. And even if you're just a fantasy player, let's say, you can bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player is going to score each game. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar when you use the promo code LOCKEDON to activate. Visit MyBookie online today. That's MyBookie, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON when creating your account to claim the bonus. MyBookie.ag, you play, you win, you get paid. So if you're the Packers, you're looking at your cornerback situation And you're saying, okay, Lindsey Pipkins, does he have a chance to play this season? Well, Kevin King, who has been dealing with a shoulder injury, but it sounds like this is pretty, pretty conservative 
doctoring <laughs> by the Packers. Uh, you have Tremont Williams and Jair Alexander. Those are your top three. And after that, Josh Jackson, Devon House, 4-5, in some order. And, and maybe that order has changed in the last two weeks. Right now, you have to feel really good about that five. And injuries happen, and injuries are part of the game, and we know that. But when you look long-term, Jair Alexander gets his first career interception. I, I, I struggle with the, with the first pro interception stuff. These are, not, these are not games. These games don't count. So did he get his first career interception? Uh, yeah, technically, I guess it's a professional football game, but it doesn't count. So it's really just a practice that you charge fans full price to get in and watch. I mean, that's really what it is. It's a scrimmage. It's an exhibition. That's why it's called an exhibition game. Bob McGinn insisted this is these are exhibition games, not preseason games, because they don't count. But they do count for the players who are making an impact on the field. And Jair Alexander, he got beat on the first play of the game by Amari Cooper. Was in good position. He just was not big enough. And that is, that is the concern for someone 5'10 and a half, a little bit under 5'10 and a quarter. That's why I think you're going to see him a lot in the slot. But when you have guys like Kevin King and Josh Jackson out there, you can mix and match. You can be versatile with the way that you deploy your coverages. But to see Alexander make that play later in the game, undercuts a post route from Martavis Bryant, Connor Cook underthrows it. But if you look, and, and I, I know there's been some nitpicking with this play, Martavis Bryant, Jair Alexander is in his hip pocket all the way. The ball gets thrown, and Bryant keeps running. And instead, Alexander realizes the ball is underthrown. He cuts down his stride a little bit, and he had already closed down the throwing window by getting underneath the receiver and forcing the quarterback to throw the ball over the top. You're making the quarterback make a more difficult throw and a more accurate throw. And in doing that, Connor Cook underthrew it. The ball floated on him a little bit and, and didn't get to the downfield shoulder of Martavis Bryant. Alexander comes back to the ball and makes the play. And again, you can say, yeah, the ball was underthrown, but... Alexander looks like the receiver on the play. Bryant keeps running, does not play the ball and track the ball as well as Alexander, who's the cornerback. And that kind of instinctive play, I told you, I did. I said when Alexander gets in the game and he gets playing time, he is going to have a splash play. He is going to create a turnover. He is going to show the playmaking ability that made him a first-round pick. And it didn't take him long. He was excellent against the Steelers, covering Juju Smith-Schuster in the slot. Didn't get a lot of playing time, easing him back in. Now, you see him get extended playing time against starting caliber players and, and legit starters. I mean, he was in there in the first nickel group. He is a starter at corner. He's going to give up some plays. He's a rookie. And he's going he's gonna to struggle with size at times. No question about it. Now, it helps to have a 40-inch vertical. But you still, it just, sometimes guys are bigger. That's just the business. That's how this works sometimes. And you just, you tip your cap, Mark, Amari Cooper made a great play. But it wasn't just Alexander. A little bit later, Josh Jackson 
beautiful man-to-man defense. And he's getting better at this man coverage stuff, by the way. He came out of college and there was a lot of concern. Can he play man? Is he his own corner only? Well, mirroring receivers, understanding route concepts, understanding where they're going to get their depth and where they're going to try and create separation. As a former receiver, he has shown a great aptitude for man coverage and press coverage. He likes to press. And he makes this great play to the boundary, breaks on the ball, makes the catch. Now the receiver, this is it's a contested catch is the wrong way to put it, but it was sort of a joint catch. Jackson rips the ball away, spins, and takes it to the house. Now the play gets called back because Herb Waters was holding, but it was a pick six. The holding call did not affect the interception and the return. So it doesn't count in the stat sheet, but the play was not affected by the penalty. Okay, so if you're the Packers, that's a positively graded play for Josh Jackson. That's two pick sixes in two weeks. And we haven't seen any of the issues with speed that were part of a concern for him coming out of college. That 40 time, that high 4-5-40 time, and it, he brought it down at his pro day, but that high 4-5-40 time was supposed to be a hindrance for him. We haven't seen it crop up at this point, and it's getting it's going to get more and more difficult to keep him off the field. Now, if Kevin King is healthy and Tremont Williams are healthy, I think Green Bay has to feel like they need to have some veteran experience on the field in the short term, early in the season especially. Ease Josh Jackson in. I think he has to be the dime corner at this point. It would be tough to start a rookie in the slot, a rookie on the outside, and a second-year player. That would be a big burden for young players in a Mike Patton defense. But if they're the best players, someone like Tremont Williams is going to be the first one to say, get them on the field. One of the other positives to take out of an ugly game, again, emphasis on ugly, was Jamon Moore had a bounce-back performance, uh, the kind of performance that he needed, uh, made some really nice catches, had that one down the sideline, makes the play over the shoulder and takes a shot and holds on to the ball. Uh, we'll have plenty of time to talk about Moore in, in the coming days and weeks because, frankly, he's going to have a chance to be a part of this offense moving forward. And we're going to have to have some discussions about this receiver group. Uh, We'll do that tomorrow with Jason Hershorn when we talk 53-man roster. And then the following week when we talk about cuts and as we look toward the regular season. But I think it's important to to look at something that, that was not so good from the Raiders game. And that was the pass blocking, especially on the edges. Kyle Murphy was, as my colleague Tex Western at Acme Packing Company put it, was cut me tomorrow bad. And he was. Now we've since learned that he was dealing with an injury. Um, If you look, he was in one possession and in the next possession, he had the ankle taped, was doing some work off to the side. Um, There was some speculation during the game. Is Is he that lacking in confidence that he has to be doing these pass blocking drills off to the side uh, during a game? And it seems now that that was more likely him testing out that leg. He was then later spotted in a walking boot. So maybe maybe the performance 
was more reflective of his inability to be healthy, really struggled to anchor. And when you're an offensive lineman, you need your feet and your ankles, that that lower body, but especially the feet and ankles, to be able to dig in and set an anchor against power. And he couldn't. He got walked back into the quarterback's lap a number of times against Oakland. And okay, if it was an injury, that is one thing. But Murphy was not good last year early in the season at right tackle, which is supposed to be his better position. Struggled giving up sacks, struggled in pass protection. He's a much better run blocker than pass blocker. I don't know if he's going to be on this team. Even even saying, okay, you know, the injury affected him. He's clearly no better than the, the fourth tackle on the team and might not even be that. Jason Spriggs was not as bad as Murphy. He didn't play great, but he did some nice things. I think it's clear at this point he is the third tackle for the Packers. Mike McCarthy confirmed as much, saying if there was an injury to either Brian Bulaga or David Bakhtiari, Spriggs would be the backup tackle. And so maybe some of the, the oh, he's third string and they're, they're playing Byron Bell, maybe that was just trying to see Bell can play tackle. It seems pretty clear he's a guard. And so if you're the Packers, you can, if you need to, slide Lane Taylor out to tackle, which is something he did against the Bears last year. But this offensive line is in desperate need of being healthy. And I think you're going to see the Packers at final cuts look for some help on the offensive line. But I thought there was an astute point made on Twitter, and I'm going to forget, I'm, I'm sorry, who it was. And he said, you know, I think Packer fans have been a little spoiled by guys like Bakhtiari and Bulaga and and before that, Tauscher and Clifton. They've had quality tackles for a long time. And you can even go further back and look at the guards that they've had going back to, you know, Marco Rivera for crying out loud. I mean, the Packers have had quality offensive line play at various positions for a long time. Every team in the league is struggling with their offensive line. Look at the Minnesota Vikings. Their offensive line is a disaster. And the Bears have taken great pains to try and rebuild theirs. They still have holes. The Lions have invested serious money and draft capital into their offensive line. That's not a sure thing. You go around the league, even the best teams in football have big question marks at offensive line. It took the Rams going big in free agent. You know, they, they sign Andrew Whitworth. If they don't make that signing, is their offense nearly as good? Probably not. So it is a luxury for Green Bay to be worrying about their backup offensive tackles because David Bakhtiari and Brian Bulaga, when they're healthy, that is probably the best one-two punch at tackle in the league. It's no worse than two or three. I mean, you can look at the Eagles when they're healthy, when you have Jason Peters and Lane Johnson. You know, that, I think certainly that that would be the other one that you would point to. And maybe I'm missing some here, but it is hard to argue. David Bakhtiari is one of the two or three best left tackles in the league, if not the best left tackle in the league. And when Brian Bulaga is healthy, he is one of the best right tackles in the sport. And so when they have those guys, when they have this offensive line healthy, it's going to be really good. The problem is staying healthy on the offensive line or any position for 16 games is really difficult. I think they have multiple guards they feel comfortable with as backups with Byron Bell and Lucas Patrick. I think they're comfortable with Jason Spriggs as a backup tackle. So now we're talking about OT4 
And how many teams really have a fourth offensive tackle that they feel good about? Most teams don't. And so if it's true that Spriggs is going to be the guy almost no matter what, if there's an injury on the left or the right side, then I think Packer fans and the team can can breathe a little bit easier about you know an ugly performance from Kyle Murphy. But Murphy, no lock to make this team. Jason's going to be here on Wednesday. Tomorrow is going to be a mailbag show. Your questions, there's a, there's been a lot of them and a lot of great ones. And so that'll be a fun show. Uh, Wednesday, that's when Jason Hershorn will be here to talk final 53-man roster. Just one word of warning on that one. It was re- We recorded that before the trade. And so there isn't going to be mention of Antonio Morrison. Lindsey Pipkins will be on the roster. And so that's just um, the unfortunate part of doing some of these kinds of things. You try and get ahead. You try and work ahead thinking, oh, well, barring major injury, we won't have a problem. If there's an injury, you can just cut that bit. Well, that doesn't account for trades. Trades happen uh, infrequently, but they do happen. And in this case, you know, I think um, the Packers, they they don't owe Morrison any guaranteed money if he doesn't make the team. So he, he'll have a week of practice and an exhibition game to try and make this team. But I think this shows a pretty clear sign that they, they want him to come in and make this team. I don't know what that says about who's going to be on the opening roster week one. If Ahmad Thomas can make this team, Greer Martini. But those discussions now become much more interesting as we move forward. Next week, I think, will become big for those inside linebackers. They're going to have to earn a roster spot now. And Ahmad Thomas, I thought, played pretty well. Greer Martini did some nice things. And, and they've both done some nice things in the preseason to this point. So... That will be something to watch before we get to final roster cutdowns. Thursday, we're going to do another mailbag show. And then next week, we will not talk about Packers Chiefs. <laughs> uh, we will talk about, but we will, we will talk about it in the context of final roster cuts, which are coming up here very, very soon. Remember, send me those questions to the Locked On Packers fan hotline at 920 341 3775. You can always send them to me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Send them to the podcast at Locked on Packers. Remember to like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the show on iTunes. Tell your friends about the show. We continue to grow. We've had our best month ever at Locked on Packers. And I love to see the growth of the show. Tell a friend. Post it on Facebook. Post it on social media. Let other people know you are listening and you are enjoying the show. So not just you, but they can stay locked on Packers.